Welcome to the audio podcast of Pastor Jerry Loudermilk. We're glad you stopped by today. Be blessed as you receive from God's Word. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, talking this morning about building on the rock. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Or who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church in the gates of Hades, New King James Version, hell, King James Version, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you will loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for authority. Thank you, God, for the peace of God which passes all understanding. Thank you, God, that we are built on the rock, and we praise you, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I said I'm not going to preach very long. I have about seven things that I want to share with you out of this scripture, out of this, uh, this small passage of scripture. And I'm just going to jump right into it. It's imperative to know who he is if we're to know who we are. It's imperative for us, the body of Christ, to know who Jesus is if we are to know who we are. There's a lot of things that come with identity. If we don't know who we are, we don't know what our inheritance is. If we don't know who we are linked with, we don't know what our authority is. We need to know, we need to understand our identity. I want to talk about that for just a minute and then I'll move on. Our identity is linked with our birth and our occupation. There are other things, but those are a couple things that we're linked, that, that our identity is linked with birth and occupation. You were born into a family. Dean was born into the Pace family, therefore we designate him as Dean Pace. There's also other Deans, but this is Dean Pace. I was born into the Loudermilk family, therefore I am Jerry Loudermilk. There are other Jerry's, but I'm Jerry Loudermilk, and there are other Jerry Loudermilk, so I'm Jerry Loudermilk Jr. My dad is a Loudermilk, and my dad is Jerry. And so we get our identity from our birth. I want us to understand that that happens in the natural, but it also happens in the spiritual. How many of you have been born again? Amen. I see those hands. That's awesome. And what we have to realize is that we are no longer linked with the uh, only, let me say it that way, only with that natural birth. We actually have come into something brand new. We're no longer just not designated only as our last name. Now we are designated as sons and daughters of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ because we have been born into the kingdom. We have to know God through Jesus Christ if we are to know who we are. Our occupation, if we're talking about occupation, you know me as a pastor. 
It's what I do. It's what I do not only just to spend time with you, but I also do it even as an, as an occupation. I don't do it just for a job. There are other ways to make more money. There are other ways to, to live certain places where you'd like to live. There are lots of, lots of reasons we choose occupations, but I, I chose being a pastor as an occupation because God chose me and I didn't have any say to it really. I went along with him. I just agreed with him and I, and I, and I chose it because he first chose me. Your occupation is kind of how you, people know about you. Some would say, I've already mentioned Dean, some would say he's a Pepsi man, retired. You know Dean as a Pepsi man. Some of you don't know that Mike was a Coke man. They love each other, believe it or not. But they do argue about which is the best drink. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that we are known by what we do as well. So I want us to understand that if we are born again, if we are born into the kingdom of God, if we're born into the body of Christ, we should also change our character and begin to act like Christians. We identify with Jesus Christ because we were born into the family, but we should be identifying with him as well by our actions, by our character. We should change what we do. We should change how we live. We should change our, not necessarily our natural occupation, but we should begin to work for better things, eternal things. Amen? Okay, so when we understand that Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? There were lots of answers. All of the people seem to recognize that Jesus was a prophet. A lot of people recognize that today. They recognize that Jesus is a prophet. The Jewish people recognize that Jesus was a prophet. The people of Islam, they believe that Jesus was a prophet. But we know more than just that he was a prophet. He was a prophet, but he was more than just a prophet. We have received a greater revelation in that we understand, like Peter did, that Jesus is the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, and he's also the son of God. He is the offspring of the living God. We understand that and we should, we should understand by that that everybody won't understand Jesus like we do. We, we need to know that. But if we are his disciples, if we have, have been born into the body, and if we are a part of those who would call themselves Christians, we should be learning the teachings of Jesus because we know who he is. We know that he does not just come in his own authority. He is the son of the living God. And he is the anointed one who has the authority and the power to do everything that he has come to do. Amen? So if we're followers of Jesus, we need to get to know him better. Identity is important. It's imperative that if we are to know who we are, we must know who he is. And I say that to this church. We have to know who he is. We also should know that everyone, as I just said, won't recognize Jesus. And I've just mentioned these different religions that don't recognize him the same as we do, but I want you to understand that there are people in the church, quote unquote, that don't recognize Jesus as we do. There are people who call themselves Christians, but don't recognize him as Peter did, the son of the living God. There are people who are in the church that understand that he is the son of God, and they believe that he is the Messiah, but they don't really know that he carries the anointing that he carries. 
If you want to know about the anointing of Jesus, you can read the Gospels or you can turn back to Isaiah and you can read the scripture that Jesus read and he told what his ministry was. He told what anointing he had and it was to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal those that were sick, to preach liberty to the captive. He carries an anointing and he he walks in that anointing not only that 2,000 years ago while he was on this earth, but he still is operating in that anointing and he has placed that anointing upon his church if we don't know that he's a healer we're going to have difficulty reaching him for healing if we only know him as savior praise God for that at least if you know he's your savior that's that's marvelous you're going to heaven you're going to live eternity with him but I want you to know that he is more than just a savior he's also a healer he's a deliverer he's a way maker He's everything you need. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We should know that God has put everything that we need into the body of Christ. And it comes through the head, which is Jesus. If you're in need of peace, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. If you're in need of healing, with his stripes we are healed. Whatever you need. We need to know him for who he is. And he is all that and more. Everybody doesn't understand that. Everybody hasn't had that revelation. Some of them know him only as a prophet. Some of them only know him, and I don't mean to demean it, but only know him as a Savior when they could know him as Savior and as Lord and as healer and as deliverer. God doesn't want you to walk around ready for heaven and overcome by the world. He wants you to be free. He wants you to walk in power. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to walk in authority. Number three, blessed are we when we have the revelation of Christ and his identity. Jesus said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Blessed are you. That word blessed means happy. The word that the Lord uses here means happy. So when we're saying blessed are you, the word of God is saying happy are you. God was saying, Jesus was saying to Peter, you're happy that you've received this revelation. This revelation, let's say it this way, will make you happy. I want you to understand, he wasn't only speaking to Peter. I believe that all through this conversation, he was not only speaking to Peter, but he was also speaking to everyone who has this revelation. You're happy if you have the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. How many of you know that he is the Christos, the Christ, the anointed one, and that he is the son of the living God? Does that make you happy? Come on then, shout it. Hallelujah. Happy are you, happy are you when you have received this revelation. Blessed, happy is he who has received this revelation of Christ and his identity. Peter had the revelation that Jesus was the anointed one. And he also had the revelation that he was the offspring of the living God. And so when Peter had this revelation, Jesus declared that this was a happy place to be. I have to pause right there. That's part of our identity. That's who we are. We know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But the world is filled with people who don't know it. New York is filled with people who don't know it. Mansfield has people who don't know it. 
People who don't know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. There are some that know that Jesus Christ is the founder of Christianity. And that's as far as it goes. There are some that know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but they don't know Him as Lord. There are others who know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that He's the Anointed One, but they don't know Him for themselves. We need to realize that because we know this, we are happy, but there's a world out there that's dying lost that doesn't know, and somebody has to tell them. Amen? Number four. Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. i got a lot to say there in just a few minutes. We have to understand, as I said, I believe that God was talking, Jesus was talking to Peter, but he was speaking to us. Peter was a representation of the whole body of Christ who have believed the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I think he was a representative. I do believe that he was speaking to Peter, but he also was speaking through Peter. Jesus did that another time. If you'll remember, Jesus spoke to Peter, but through Peter when he rebuked him. He said, get behind me, Satan. That wasn't just Peter he was talking to. It was this spirit that was in him. It was this attitude that was in him. But here, Jesus is speaking to Peter, but he's also speaking to this attitude that's in him. This same, this same type thing, and, and this, but this is reversed. He's speaking to Peter because he has, re, he has believed, he has received the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And if we have received that revelation, we're happy, but we also need to know that it's upon this rock, not Peter. Some churches teach that it teaches that it's talking to Peter. The words here are different. Thou art Peter, and I don't know how to say it in, in Greek, but it's a word that means a little pebble. But upon this rock, this Petra, this boulder, this big old nugget of truth that you've just declared, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, this is what I'm building my church on. I'm building my church on the truth, on the revelation that I am the Christ, the anointed one. I'm the Son of the living God. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is built upon. Jesus himself. The authority, the anointing, the power, the identity of Jesus Christ and the revelation that he is who he is. So Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, be, shall not prevail against it. So the truth, I believe, that Jesus was speaking of is the truth of the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. How many of you believe that truth? Amen. Lift those hands way up high again. Look around you. These people are built on the rock. What does it mean when you build on the rock? I've got to pause right here and tell about a little parable that Jesus told about. He said a wise man builds his house upon the rock and, a, and a, an unwise man, a fool, builds his house on, a sand, on the sand. He goes on to say that when the storms came and the floods came, that the wise man who had built his house on the rock, his house stayed. 
his house endured. But the, the fool who had built his house on the sand, when the storms came, the storms of life, when those difficult times came, his house fell and great was the fall of it. Amen? If you lifted your hand that you have believed on Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Christ, and that he is the son of the living God, then you're building, he's building in you, he's building the church in you, and he's building your life on Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And I want you to know that whatever comes, whatever goes, you can endure because the word says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. Hallelujah. That's number four. Number five, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but number five, let me, number four is upon this rock. I'll build my church. Number five is I will build my church. Jesus said that he would do it. Jesus said, I'll build it. I'll build it. We get so busy trying to build God's church. I'm guilty. We get so busy trying to build it. We try to set everything in order just the way we think it should be. We try to do this. We try to do that. We try to have programs. We try to have ministries. We try to have all these things. And, and I have found over the course of the 13 and a half years or so that I've been here that so often so many things that we try just fail because God didn't build them. Some of those things some of those things are good and some of those things last because God did build them. But sometimes we with our human mind, our human wisdom, we think we've got it figured out. Here's exactly what we need in the church. And if we do this, God's going to work everything out. I want you to know we don't have to have it all figured out. We just have to have our trust in the master builder, Jesus Christ. And he has said, upon this rock I build my church. He is the builder. We can trust him. That gives me hope in this transition. In this transition, we bless the Jackwins, and I pray God does a miracle and a mighty work in New York, and we praise God for that. And, and, and we, we're sitting here, and some of us are saying, there's going to be a gap. What are we going to do? You know what? I'm not worried. I know my God is in control. He's the builder. I'll miss them terribly, and I love them, and I, I hate to see them go, but God's the builder. This is his church. He's building his church on the rock. We've sung by soundtracks before. We've sung a cappella before. I don't expect to go back to that, but if we have to, as long as we do it with our whole heart, God will be glorified. And what matters is He's building His church. Amen? Amen. Number six. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This word in the King James Version that says hell is Hades in the original language and that's the way it is translated in the in the New King James and some of the others it means death it means hell it means the grave it also means the god of the lower regions Hades was the name of the god of the lower regions in the Greek religion they believed that Hades guarded hell, that Hades kept the, the souls of people who died in the grave. I want you to understand that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that he's building. Come on, that deserves a praise right there. The gates of hell shall not prevail 
against his church. Not only does it mean that at the trumpet sounding that Jesus, who was the first fruits, got up from the grave and proved that it could be beaten. Not only does it mean that, but it means that you, on that resurrection day, even though you might be buried in the ground, will come up out of that grave. This church is powerful because we're built on the rock of Jesus Christ. I'll go on to say... That it not only means that we'll get up from that grave, but it also means that the... How does it say it? Let me read it again. Getting all excited. It also means that the little g, God of the lower regions, will not prevail against us. Satan and all his minions, the king of darkness, has no place in the house of God. And I know he shows up every time we get together and he tries to cause offense and he tries to cause turmoil and he tries to cause confusion. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus said, Upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell cannot stand against the church that God has built. Woo! That's the hardest 15 minutes I've ever preached. (laughs) Let me give you one more. Number seven. And I've jumped through a bunch. Jesus said, I will give you, speaking to Peter, but I believe representing, Peter represented the whole church. I will give you the keys to the kingdom and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I touched on that first because I wanted to come back to the keys and talk about it just a minute. The Word of God tells us in Colossians, let me see where it's at, I have it in my notes. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, that Jesus spoiled principalities, that he made a show of them openly. I want you to understand that while Jesus' body lay in the grave, the spirit of the living God, Jesus in the spirit went into the depths of hell. And I, I'm not, some say it was into eternal torment. I don't know about that. The word doesn't tell us, but it does say that he went and he preached to those who were captive and he led them free. I want you to understand those who were in the place that at that time was called a paradise and some today might call it purgatory. It's not even there anymore. It doesn't exist because Jesus went and all those who were in captivity, who were believers in God, he took them with him into heaven. And I want you to know that this same Jesus that had that same power, he spoiled principalities. The devil who held the keys of death and of the grave and the devil who had had victory over mankind, he does not have that authority any longer. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, The Lord of Lords is all-powerful. He stripped Satan. He stripped Hades of his authority. He took the keys. He didn't just walk up. Brian, will you be the devil for a minute? Stand right there. Stand, Stand right. Stand right here. I want Facebook to be able to see you. He didn't walk up and he say, Mr. Devil, would you please give me the keys? No. The devil might have been trying to hold him back, but he didn't do that. He walked up. I don't know if you can see this or not. I'll do it this way. He walked up and he said, you give me the keys. And the devil knelt down and said, yes, sir.
He stripped him. And he made a show of him openly. He made a show of him openly. He triumphed over them in this. And he took the keys. And he didn't just take the keys and go sit back on the throne. He took the keys and he offered them. Brian's not the devil anymore. Brian's the church now. He said, I give you, you can get back up church. I love you as my bride. He said, I'm giving you the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Because you are built on the rock of the truth of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Hallelujah. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. What does it mean to have the keys of the kingdom? Exactly. Authority. Hand me those keys again, Brian. I'm not taking them back from the bride of Christ. I'm just showing you something. This key right here, this key right here will open any of the outside doors. I have the authority to get in this house even if nobody else is here. And when I get in here, this key right here will open Dawn's office even if she's not in there. This key right here, not many people have this one, but this key is to the sound room. Get up there where all that equipment's at. This key right here, I don't even know what it is, but it opens something. This key right here opens everything else. A master. I can go around to any of these Sunday school classrooms, well, except one. I can go around to any of these Sunday school classrooms, any of these other doors, and if they're locked, that key's the one that does it. Here's one more, there's two more. This one right here opens. We've got an evangelistic quarters in the back, a little apartment, a mini apartment that if we have an evangelist or a prophet come, they can stay there. This key opens that. And this one, <laughs> actually, these two. Open my office. One of them is the main door and the other is a deadbolt lock. There are two of these. The deadbolt lock. I don't usually lock it. I don't have anything in there that I'm afraid somebody's going to steal. I don't usually lock it. But I want you to know this gives me access. This key ring right here gives me access to everything in this building. And also, this key right here opens any door in my house at home. Except the uh, sliding glass door. We don't have a key for it. Come in all the other doors. I want you to understand what this means. I've been given access. I want you to understand what this, what this means to us. Jesus gave the church the keys to the kingdom. You have the authority to walk into the Holy of Holies. Don't do it prideful. Don't do it boastingly. But you have the authority to walk into the Holy of Holies. And you have the authority to kneel before the throne room of God. Before the throne of God. And you have the authority to speak to God personally through Jesus Christ. You don't have to go through a prophet. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through your pastor. You just go through Jesus. I want you to understand as well this, this authority. The word tells us if we read on down and we read it. Whatsoever we shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever we shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The authority that the Lord gives us is not just authority so that we can walk into the throne room of God. Praise God for that. I love to go into the throne room of God. I go there through worship and I go through there through prayer. But it also allows me to have authority, kingdom authority here on this earth. And whatever God has said that I can have in heaven, I have the key to unlock it here in the earth. 
that's a little bit controversial to some of us because we didn't grow up understanding that. But that's what the Word is telling us here. And I also, if God has said something shouldn't be and it's not in heaven, I have the keys to lock it up here in the earth. So when the devil comes into my home and he starts messing with my kids and he starts saying, I'm going to kill them, I'm going to cause them to commit suicide, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I can look that devil right in the eye and I can say, you don't have the authority to do that. Jesus Christ has given me authority. And I bind you Satan You are defeated You have no place here I take my authority over you I stand up according to the word of God Under the authority of God By the power of God In the blood of Jesus Christ And I command you Loose my children Hallelujah Hallelujah We have authority. If. Hold on a minute. If. We're built on the rock. And I've just preached like a Pentecostal. Now I'm going to shift to Baptist and I'm going to have an altar call. Some of us here are not built on the rock. Did you hear what I said? Some of us aren't built on the rock. You say, Pastor, I raised my hand. I'm, I'm not talking specifically to anybody. But I'm talking to all of us. Some of us aren't allowing the Lord to build our life on the rock. Some of us are not really allowing the Lord to build our church on the rock. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. And again, I told you, I believe that the rock that Jesus is speaking of is that revelation of the truth that Peter had that says, Thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the victorious one, the living one that Revelation speaks of, the Son of the living God, capital G. We're not building our lives on that. I want you to bear with me for just a minute. I'm almost done. We're not building our lives on that. In so many instances, we're not building our lives upon that rock. Things get hard we know Jesus is our Savior, and I build on the rock there, but my house extends out into the sand, and I'm going through things, and I'm in turmoil, and I'm broken, and I don't know what to do, and I can't see light at the end of the tunnel because that portion of my life is not built on the rock. I want you to understand that if the Lord builds your life upon the rock, if he builds the church upon the rock, nothing that hell throws at us will be victorious. If we're struggling in any area of our life, if we're having a hard time and all of us have been there, I'm not being this super religious person who, who's never had any trouble. I've been right there. I know what it feels like and sometimes it feels like you can't go on. But I want you to know that if you're built on the rock, God is building your life. If Jesus Christ is the rock of your life, then you can endure whatever comes your way. You will make it. Let me tell you that if you're built on the rock of Jesus, Jesus Christ and the revelation of who he is you will make it and if you're not built on the rock and you don't know if you're going to make it maybe somebody here I feel like somebody here may be struggling with depression 
I want you to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is peace that passes all understanding. And you can, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to the doctors, but you can go to the doctors and you can try, you can try aromatherapy to make you feel a little better. You can try all these different things, but I want you to know that whatever you try, it doesn't equal Jesus because those who are built on the rock, they can find their peace in the Lord our God because Jesus is victorious. He's already stripped the devil of his power in our lives. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's word, please go to AbundantLifeTabernacle.com or subscribe on iTunes.